Hey everybody, this is Paul, and this week is our first Journey of the Roadrunner rerun. And I have some exciting news. The Journey of the Roadrunner podcast will now be available on YouTube. Uh, and our first episode will be a classic. It's episode 81 with Crystal Bowie, which was originally posted in audio form on April 17th, 2023. And at that time, she had just released her memoir, More to Tell. And the, her book is still for sales. If you go to uh, martotellbook.com and you enter in the promo code RUNNER at checkout, you'll get a discount. And um, there may be some listeners who may not have caught that episode yet, so you can listen to the audio version here, or you can go to the Roadrunner, that's R-H-O-D-E, on the YouTube channel and watch the video version there. And don't forget to subscribe, and if you subscribe on YouTube, hit the bell so you'll be notified when a new video drops. And thank you all so much for listening and watching, and now on with the show. Welcome to Journey of the Roadrunner, the podcast that takes you on an inspiring expedition through the diverse and captivating life journeys of remarkable individuals. I'm your host, Paul Stressner, who is on a journey to run a 5K in all 50 states, coming to you with Adriana Ferns my friend and personal trainer who's on a soul friend journey herself. We're thrilled to be your guides as we lace up and hit the road to explore the unique paths, challenges, triumphs, and wisdom that have shaped our guests into the extraordinary people they are today. Join us as we dive deep into personal stories of resilience, growth, and transformation, uncovering the secrets to success, happiness, and fulfillment. So whether you're a fellow runner in the race of life, are simply curious about the incredible stories that unfold behind every individual, get ready to embark on an unforgettable adventure on Journey of the Roadrunner. Now let's get the show on the road. Hey everybody, it's Paul here. And Adriana. And today we have a very special guest. As you know, we've been like talking <laughs> up. We're so excited. Um, some re- Rhode Islanders may remember, remember Crystal Bowie as a reporter for Channel 10 News. She has since moved to different markets. She left local broadcast news in October 22 and now runs her own strategic communications firm called Spotlight Communications, works with the Carter Center, and is the CEO of The Proud Asian at theproudasian.com. One of the markets she worked in was in Minneapolis, where she reported on one of the biggest stories of the decade, the murder of George Floyd and the, the riots that followed. Her feature reporting was nominated for an Emmy in 2022, and she received the prestigious Edward R. Murrow Award for Excellence in Sound for her work covering George Floyd's murder. She has just released her memoir, More to Tell, the real story of George Floyd's murder told by the news reporter who faced sexism and racism covering it. We welcome to the show, Crystal Bowie. Thank you so much for having me. I will say it's a little scary being on the uh, other end of the interview here. I'm used to asking questions. So if you guys want to switch off, I got some ready to go. Oh, I'd be happy with that too. <laughs> but um, yeah, when I first started the um, journey of the Roadrunner, I had created a Twitter account and I followed um, like all the, since Rhode Island is a big part of this, I followed all the Rhode Island reporters. Mm-hmm. So I was following you. And then then you had moved, but then you had started a, a, a blog website, Adventures with Crystal. <laughs> yeah, Adventures with Crystal. Yeah, and since traveling was a big part of my um my journey, so yeah, yeah so I just love that. So um, 
yeah we, yeah that we have like so much to talk about especially congratulations on your new book thank <laughs> so you so exciting. much thank you it's a little surreal uh my media person asked me to take a selfie with the book today and I don't know why I just didn't want to take this selfie first of all but um it was weird seeing the photo with me and the book because it's been a a google doc for so long like it's not that glamorous oh, right. guys it was written on a google doc okay like, <laughs> so it's weird holding the book in my hands Mm -hmm. it's, it's gotta be amazing i i just want to say i read the whole thing and it's it's on you are an awesome writer so i have adhd and it i love to read but it's like it takes me a little while usually i'm a slow reader and i was just like i get up in the morning and i read it with my coffee in the morning Aww. and i was like, I, I don't have time to, i want more like i wanted to really oh that's so the sweet. way you yeah like you're you know and hopefully like a lot of people who hear this will get it because it's it like, I felt like I was there with you at some mm -hmm. like event mm -hmm. and I'm just like frustrated for you. Like, yeah. angry. I'm like, fuck that guy. Like this, you know, or like, or just even like you explaining, like watching the George Floyd video, George Floyd video. Like I was yeah. crying. Like you really, you feel like you write, like you're, you're, we're with there. you. So mm -hmm. it was awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. That was a part of what I thought too, was like, people are so busy these days. So I know if you're driving to work, if you're at the gym, like at most people might have 20 minutes per chapter as they're listening to me. So a part of that was the format or the strategy, if you will, with the stories, making sure they were edible bite-sized chapters that people could move through as, you know, quickly, but still have time to digest in between each chapter. So I appreciate that that worked with you. You know, yeah. that was my theory about how to write the book so that people could kind of move through it quickly, but it's good to hear. Well, and we get to know you too. Like, it, it, you know, you, you simultaneously kind of cover a lot all at once, you know, like I was like, all right, we can get to know you and like yeah. what you're struggling with and like, you know, everything and then what you're seeing, what you're, you're experiencing. So it was really, I, I yeah. read slow and I, I <laughs> smoked through your book. Like, I, would, oh, love yeah, I really do. Cause I was like, oh my God, I only have how long to read this. I'm like, I'm never going to finish this. And I was like, I'm finishing this. Um, yeah. yeah, I didn't know how it was going to resonate with people. Obviously, like, you know, sexism and racism doesn't sell, right? Like when we're talking about marketing a book, I think some people were like, oh, she's just trying to milk her own trauma, which like I got a whole rant about if you think I'm trying to make money off my own trauma. Right. But uh, I don't think people quite understand that this book was hard for me to write. And it took time to really sit down and get through it because you know, I don't, I'm in therapy now after everything that happened in Minneapolis, all the trauma that came with covering George Floyd, now covering parts of the Atlanta spa shootings where eight people were gunned down, including six Asian women. Um, but I don't think people realize that this wasn't just something I was able to just like pour my heart out in, in a way it almost was like therapy. I had to like get through every section and kind of like relive it and really think about it differently. And I think the biggest takeaway I got from the book was things were actually worse than what I thought they were in real time. Yeah. So the sexism I faced, you know, the whole concept, I mean, you read it. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Like yeah. it was horrifying in the moment, but when you're retelling it and processing it from like an intellectual and an emotional lens, I was like, this was worse. Um, and I think the feedback I've gotten from readers is that like a lot of people were horrified that these were the background details of what happened to George Floyd that people never saw on TV. Yeah. And then my life and seeing people in horror like just shocked was kind of the feedback I got I think it surprised me how much I had repressed that in real time and just tried to get through my two-year contract you know because I think people were shook from what happened to me yeah I mean you were in survival mode essentially and 
and it's interesting like that you say like that that stuff doesn't sell but it it in my mind it's like how else are we going to learn from each other and like learn people's differences if we or in it through other people's experiences like you know it definitely it opened my eyes to a lot of things in, in journalism like i i started watching paul i've talked to paul about this that um have you seen the alaska daily with hillary swank yes 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 so yes i'm not really, caught up though but it's, it's like it really opened my eyes to like it makes me respect like journalism more because i obviously don't have experience in the field or anything and i really like it just it really opened my eyes to a lot so like then kind of right after i got into that show i started i started reading your book and i'm like wow there's oh, just like so much we don't realize that these people yeah. are going through like like you said it's like oh you're on tv great they're on tv like but it's like you're getting like you know tear gas and like yeah, i'm running from tear crazy. gas like it's, it's but you don't see that right you just see right. Right. oh it's crystal buoy out here and blah, blah, blah. but like yeah. five seconds ago like i'm trying to you know the chapter where the guy's trying to pull me on stage in the middle of the riots mm -hmm. and you know all viewers saw was hello down at you know chicago the avenue blah 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 but like no one saw you know the chaos that happened to getting on camera you know and right. I I sometimes wonder if more reporters wrote books there would be like a little bit more respect I, I think you're right for the profession you know yeah. um but I don't know it's it's hard to write the book because sometimes it feels like it's like industry secrets you know and a part of me was like I mean people might as well know what happens behind the scenes right yeah absolutely yeah it's starting to open up more now I think so yeah definitely yeah it's almost like yeah you had a to push everything down just to, you know, look professional and everything. It's kind of, yeah, it reminds me of like um, being in the military, being in war, you have to like, you know, block everything out and <laughs> like Adriana said, go through survival mode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, um. So uh, how did you um decide to like get into the news industry? You, you grew up, you grew up in California? Yeah, so I grew up in uh -huh. California. Um, my theory, so I have a theory about this. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents were immigrants, like escaped from Vietnam, tried to get out of the war status, like refugees. Um, and I think when a lot of immigrants came over to the United States, they're like trying to learn the language, the culture, just trying to understand like what the United States is about. So they watch the news, right? So like most immigrant families, that's that's their like portal, so to speak, into understanding you know, which is problematic, right? Because the news is a little <laughs> skewed, but like, that, so all, you know, all these immigrants, like that's their, that's their insight into what's going on. You know, they see it as what matters, stuff like that. So growing up, we always had NPR on the radio because my dad was trying to understand one, learn better English, right? But he wanted to understand uh, current events so he could keep up with coworkers and not be like, you know, the immigrant, so to speak. Mm. Um, and then at home, we always had the news on. So I think that was just kind of embedded in me. It's like, I always saw people on TV. I thought the women were beautiful and smart. And then you want to be one of them, you know, cause they look again, they look glamorous, right? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> joke was on me on that part. Um, <laughs> but I think that's just how it came about. I had, I was surrounded by watching news all the time that it seemed like such a cool profession. Um, and then, you know, I think I tried to escape into multiple different professions, but for some reason I keep being pulled back into news. Um, so I think that's just how it started was, it was just a presence in my life growing up. News always was. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. No, it's like, yeah, I have like so many questions, especially like what the news. <laughs> Fire them off. <laughs> so um, when you, when you report, do you find your own stories or? Um, yeah. Yeah. So people don't realize like that they think that, you know, we just get handed stories every day. 
my life would be so much easier if that mm-hmm. was the case. More uh, Every morning we have what's called an editorial meeting, which you know now after reading the book about how problematic our editorial meetings were. And yes, just how racist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have to come in and pitch three story ideas. So like, even when I'm done with work at seven, I'm like stalker mode. I'm like checking Instagram, Facebook, like what's the dirt? What can I pitch tomorrow? And so having to pitch three stories every day, like original content, I can't just be like, the mayor is going to be at this marathon, right? Not a real story. They would be like, yeah, we saw that flyer too. Try again, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, mm-hmm. So you have to come in with three story ideas. And it's a it's a tough competitive industry because you're also very exposed when you're sitting in a room full of like very smart, you know, educator or not, but, you know, worldly, so to speak, people. And they're all coming in with three ideas. You don't want to be the one sitting there with like three bad ideas, you know? Right. So inherently it's a very stressful uh mm occupation career because I'm like constantly on the go I feel like I'm constantly like slightly stalking people and eavesdropping (laughs) you know because I need that story idea like I need three story ideas every morning um but yeah that's kind of how it goes and then the managers listen to the pitches and sometimes they don't like any of your pitches and they technically already knew you were going to cover the mayor at the marathon you know they already Mm -hmm. knew that but they wanted to see what you had anyways just in Mm -hmm. case um so yeah it's a it's a very tiring profession but I also feel like I could probably be a private investigator now if I wanted to go into an entirely different career. Like my stalking still skills are real good. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I, can you use that in dating too, right? Like, <laughs> you know, I think I said during this book tour I would not talk about dating, but you baited me, and I'll take it. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go in. You know, I generally have a rule: if it's someone I first met, I'd actually try not to Google them. Um, because if I did, I could probably find out at some point, like who their first kiss was. Cause that's how good I am at this point, you know? So, <laughs> so I just kind of avoid it all if I can. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I have, <laughs> we get into like some racism talk. Oh, I, oh, I, I have a, I have a note here. that says, um, Irvin is an insecure little fuck and Fred is too. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah like i was so 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 frustrated oh Irvin, the yeah. best fake name ever <laughs> i love myself for that name well, obviously yeah. i mean i the book is truthful um as yeah. best as i could recall and some of the mm-hmm. scenes were recreated based on memory um yeah. and there are text messages and secret voice recordings to prove voice, yeah. so, mm-hmm. however uh i don't know editorially i just decided not to use their real names even though it's truthful and i probably could have yeah, um, but yeah. I think it's because I wanted the focus to be more on my story mm-hmm. than who exactly. these culprits were. Um, but Irvin, what a man, what a man. <laughs> yeah, Paul dude. had texted me and he's like, don't read this before bed. I'm like, I know, <laughs> I've been reading it in the morning because you get so fired up. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely like we were like pissed off for you. Like both Real? of us. Were, like, oh, yeah, no, we were, yeah. we were I mean, like, I don't even know why I'm like, thank you for being angry for me. No, but <laughs> Again, not to be redundant, but like you really get people like we're feeling what you're feeling. Like we're like in it with so, you. Okay. So I would love to know this. I think this yeah. was like chapter 15, like the long chapter with Irvin and Fred and like the whole debacle of every single, you know, quote, disciplinary meeting right. they called me into. What were your thoughts on that? Because when I was writing it, I was like, God, this is like this. That was one of the longest chapters in the book besides the trial. But I, I don't know, like writing it, I was like, 
you know, I was like, man, this is a lot of sexism for one chapter. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I, it's, it was showing what was going on. Like, it, yeah. like, if anything, it made me feel like you went through hell. Like, it had, like, you were telling us what was happening all the time. Like, I was like, if I worked there, like, I'd fucking lose it on this guy. Yeah. Or well. I cry, and then I'd like mm-hmm. quit. Like, I was like, I don't know what I would do. Like, punch him or like just cry and leave because. Like if any, I don't, I didn't look at it personally. I didn't look at it like, oh, this is a long chapter about this. Okay. I, if anything, it, I was like, sh- like the, these fucking guys, it goes from like, they're, they're totally favoring this one person on Valentine's day. Who was like stuck in the house with a pig. Well, that, like, 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 <laughs> that, that like, the, so here's the thing. Like when I wrote the book, it almost made it fictional to me in a way, because it became such an outrageous story well, that mm. I was like, man, if I didn't have text messages proving a lot of this, I think in my mind, I would have been like, this had to have been fiction because yeah, there's you were no to- way a newsroom yeah. could have acted this with this amount of racism and sexism. Well, and like, it was so blatant. So blatant, you know? exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't even subtle about it. You know, like, yeah. and I can say this to people who haven't read the book, but like right off the top when Irvin, Irvin, uh tells me from now on, he only wants me to say, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Like, I was like, Bro, I don't know if you know history, but like that's not far from yes, master. So maybe right. we gotta, like work on our diction a little bit there. Like you're gonna tell the only Asian woman in the room you only want me to dress you by yes, sir. Yeah, from that now was on. so fucked. The whole yeah. that started it, and then what you said about like the him and that like taking a survey in the office after that whole like right so the- unprofessional yeah yeah <laughs> I mean Paul like how do you feel I didn't feel like the chapter was too long or any like I felt like it was oh not at all yeah it was just yeah I didn't it was appropriate mm-hmm. yeah. It was like, we were feeling like we're going through it. Like, it feels like you're literally like you're writing again. Like, I'm like, like I was infuriated. I'm like this fucking guy, like, like just, oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can't believe that people are like that. So blatant. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 And Minnesota sounds like it sucks anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel so bad. I think, um, I don't know if the whole state was, but for some reason, everyone I met was mostly in that boat. Um, I, I had an ex-girlfriend from there and she was fucking crazy. So I've that I already experienced. Like, I hate the state already. <laughs> and it's cold and I'm not a big fan of the cold. <laughs> no, it's, it's hard because as I talked about in the opening chapter, like I have lived in so many states that truly when I had the job offer in Minnesota, I was like, dear God, let this be it. Like, I don't want to keep moving. Just make this, you know, mm-hmm. like, like a shelter dog going yeah. from home to home or something, you know, like a foster dog was kind of almost how I felt. So I genuinely wanted Minnesota to just, just be that place. And, you know, it's like a few months in, my boss is telling me I can only address him as yes, sir. And I should only say yes, ma'am in the newsroom. Like this spiraled so quick. Like it didn't yeah. even take that long for the situation to blow up, you know? And I, I don't know, like when I think about it, I think I have some compassion for the younger girl, me, you know, for almost four years ago at this point, who like thought that that was something she had to put up with, you know, and take. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we probably all remember that, right? Whether it's high school bullies, middle school mm-hmm. bullies, workplace bullies, like there probably was a point where we just thought it was easier to stay quiet or the repercussions were too scary, you know? So I think as much as I have regrets for not getting up and cursing him out, Adrian, like, re- like really the story should have been me getting up yelling and then recording it. Right. Like that, I think that's how I would react now is like holding my cell phone up, recording it and just going crazy and then posting on Twitter. Right. But <laughs> I mean, but you know, at the time I just felt like I had to take it in silence. And when they're threatening the paycheck and stuff over you and you just have to be mm-hmm. the compliant reporter because 
there are so many reporters that just want to get on camera. So in a way, like, even if your skills are great, there's someone else who's eager to take your role, you know? So we're in a way we're disposable, even if you're, you know, you have the accolades that I do or the awards I do in a way they, they treat you like you're very replaceable and they kind of hold it over your head. You know, like that scene where the, um, Mr. Fred, uh, is asking, you know, trying to be like, well, we may or may not renew your contract. Like, I was just like, back off. You, you know, like, I don't, bro, I don't want to work for yeah. you. It's okay. I'm counting down the days to get out of jail. So like, don't, <laughs> we're good. Like, <laughs> I don't need you to break up with me. <laughs> we're fine. Don't worry. Like, I'm not going to cry about this. <laughs> Celebrate. <laughs> I, I, I love the um, Minnesota nice too. Oh, yeah. it's, it's just like, it's, you know, you get that um, same thing with the South, the bless your heart type of thing. Oh, you know and we're used to like being, instead of passive aggressive in the Northeast, we're more aggressive aggressive. We're oh, not no, used to- the Northeast <laughs> is like, I, I know you're about to stab me because you just gave me a warning and told me why you're about to stab me. Like, yeah. but, um, you know, what's funny is like, so I think the South has a bad rep. Um, I think when people think about the South, or at least how I thought about the South, like growing up in California, right? Like you think about that passive aggressiveness, like bless your heart. You think about racism, racism you know, what yeah. everything that kind of comes with the stereotypes of the South. I will say, I don't know if I just got incredibly lucky because I already put in my time in Minnesota. So <laughs> someone was like, someone give this girl a break, you know? Um, Atlanta has been beautiful, like more so than I ever could have expected. Um, it's helped me heal after the racism and the sexism that I experienced. The people here, it's very diverse. Um, maybe I've had one racist incident in like almost two years, which is like a pretty impressive, you know, batting record based on the entire book you read yeah. you know, from the other two years. Um, but I think people in the South are genuinely kind. Um, and I think because in Atlanta, there are so many transplants, right? Like it's a constantly mm-hmm. evolving city yeah. that everyone is an outsider. So you're kind of like, you're all outsiders together and you're welcoming. Whereas, you know, in the book I talked about in Minnesota, like I was clearly the outsider and I was treated as such, you know, here, everyone's like, I don't know, where are you from? I'm from here, you know? So it's just, it's been a lot better for my heart. I'm okay. Everyone, if you read the book, I'm okay. Everything's okay. I know it looks like in the book. That was like I come the happy ending. And now I'm on a podcast, yeah. so we're good, we're good. Yeah, no, that was like, Atlanta was like the happy ending, I thought. Like, I was like, that's yeah. awesome. See, that's the thing, like, I, we, I I personally, I yes, when I think of the South, like, I think racism and like, you know, but I feel like Atlanta, I wouldn't, it's like those pockets where you're like, no, they're not, because it's like a city and there's like colleges and there's like education. Like, I feel like in when you said Atlanta, I was like, all right, that's obviously a place where I didn't know it was a lot of transplants, but I thought just because it was more of like, kind of like a city, I feel like that's more, when it, there's more diversity and like people are just kind of like, everyone's integrated and like hanging out and it's a lot different, but it's- there's it a, Yeah, absolutely. There's no, last time I checked, there's no majority race in Atlanta, which I mm-hmm. love. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. because going around, like I never walk into a room, like the way I talked about in the book where the entire restaurant turns around and looks at me because like, this is the first Asian person they've probably seen in weeks. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like yeah. that was my experience in the Midwest mm. here. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like everyone else walking around. No one's looking at anyone. Like it's almost, um, I don't know what the word, I just wish more cities, there was no majority race because mm-hmm. it feels like everyone is just mixed in with everyone. There's no expectation of like, oh, this is what I expect the mayor to look like, the police chief to look like, blah, blah, blah. Like 
we're all just kind of in there, you know, and, yeah. and I, I, when I think about, you know, where I would want to have my kids, I think about a place where there's no majority race and everyone is just coexisting and learning from each other and intrigued, yeah. you know, like here, if I go to an Asian restaurant in many places I've lived, it's like Asians eating at the Asian restaurant, right here. You walk in no idea. Like there's, there's no majority race, even sitting in the room. Everyone's just like, I don't know. I'm just here to eat food, which is, <laughs> which is kind of the way it should be. So it right? should be. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that land. I, I, yeah, I did a race over in that area, Kennesaw. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'd love to go back there. Actually, I have a couple of friends that I went to high school with that live down there. Speaking of transplants, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is beautiful there. Yeah, it's like a, it's weird in Atlanta when someone tells you they're from Atlanta. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like people actually were born here, you know, because there's so much intermingling, which I love. That's great. Yeah. And you know, Birmingham, Alabama was like that too. I did a race there, and I was like shocked. Because yeah, it was very progressive. And the day I was leaving, it was the day after the Trump inauguration. And that's when all the um, women protests were out. And so I was going to the Civil Rights Museum because I wanted to get a couple of books. I had been there the day before to do the tour. And I pull in this a park across the street from the Civil Rights Museum. And all the protesters to come you see signs this pussy grabs back and, it's wow. like, <laughs> and, and so I stopped and I went there it was incredible so that's not something I would have expected so that's why it's good to expose yourself to different cultures and everything yeah. I think so People, too like yeah. I did, I don't know girl in California like the south was portrayed a certain way you know what right. I mean in, in mm -hmm. the history books that we studied and so it's been I tell people, I'm like, God, I never, never would have thought growing up that, you know, North Bay area, you know, NorCal, like not even just like a California girl, like a California girl, you know, <laughs> would find home in the South. But I think it does say something to your point, Paul, that like, you don't know a place until you actually know a place. So, mm -hmm. you know, just reading about it in a history book, you know, I had a totally different perception of the yeah. South. Um, that is so far different from what I've learned about the people I've experienced here. Yeah, yeah. And that's part of the problem. People, you know, stay in their bubbles and, yeah. you know, pop off on social media and they're not knowing what they're talking about and just keep spiraling and everything. The keyboard warriors. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Crystal, yeah. I've never been to Atlanta, so I'm going to hit, hit Come you visit. I'll take you out to a couple restaurants. I will. I'll come down. I'm yeah. such a big foodie. Um, like that's, I probably traveled to eat. <laughs> that's how Chris, uh, Adventures <laughs> with Crystal started. Uh, I like, I don't know. I like eating. It doesn't yeah. seem like it because I generally have other healthy habits that kind of balance out the amount of food I like to have. Um, but yeah, if you come like definitely hit me up. I'd love to I definitely. You. I promise. I like to travel and, and, you know, maybe me and Paul see if there's a race down there. We'll both yeah. go yeah. up. <laughs> the weather is great. I mean, yep. it was like 80 degrees the other day. Um, so yeah, come. It's like the weather is generally nice. If you can handle the humidity a little bit or I just, yeah. Yeah, I loved it there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 90 degrees here, so yes, right, now. right now. Right now, Rhode Island? Yeah. yeah. 90 degrees yeah, in Rhode Island right yeah. now? Some stuff this week. Yeah, yeah. Are you joking? Hold yeah. on, oh. this. I'm it's wicked it hot. <laughs> it was really hot last night. I like the heat, so I was like, this is awesome. And my friends were like, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> really? Is the entire New England that hot? Man, you got uh, I don't know. I don't know. Let me right see. Now. I saw the high supposed to be 92. I just checked you. 89? Word, that's yeah. too much. Yeah, it's supposed to go up to 92 today. Anything above like 86, I start getting uncomfortable. 
unless there's yeah. a pool nearby. <laughs> right. Well, we got our beaches here too. So <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they were packed yesterday. So <laughs> that was on the news yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crystal, did you get up to Rhode Island ever? Yeah, I was gonna ask. That. I, you know what? I haven't gone back. Um, I would like to because I think when I think about where the book tour should launch, I think it's gotta be in Rhode Island because yeah. I feel like uh, those are probably the most supportive and loyal viewers, most loyal viewers I've ever had. Um, so I feel like the journey, weirdly enough, like the the viewers that I became the closest to or felt like I knew the most or, you know, were actively interested in, you know, my life um, came in my first two jobs. So I've had six different states that I've worked in now. Um, so it was Yakima, Washington, and then Rhode Island were my two that, you know, which is crazy because all those people have followed my journey now for 10 to eight to 10 years since they were like mm -hmm. at the, they were at the beginning where I was still saying crazy shit on TV and didn't look good <laughs> and didn't know how to do my hair. And like, you know, like appreciate you for not being a fair weather fan because those <laughs> first few years was not looking hot. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond camera presence wasn't quite there yet. We'll totally come hang out. And yeah. I have to say, not to brag, but like being biased, like I was born and raised here, like the food scene here is really kicking up. Like it's really getting better. It's Rhode always, Island? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But we definitely love the food seen. in Rhode Island. But yeah. Atlantis is better. Okay. <laughs> but I think it's because you have to factor in the diversity, right? Leads right. to an even more like diverse restaurant scene. Right. Um, and I think what I like too, is there's like an appreciation for it. Like, I don't know if I wrote this in the book, so I don't know if I should sell out a bunch of people, but I'll say it anyways. <laughs> I felt like uh, Dane, the uh, quote, you know, quote Dane, uh, yeah. the boyfriend in the book at the time, homeboy liked eating just like pizza and chicken nuggets and like, <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't know. I'm trying to name another food, but it's going to get problematic real quick. <laughs> um, and that to me was like kind of tough because I do think kind of like what you said, like in the way that traveling exposes you to new ideas, new thoughts, you know, I think food does too. And I think if you're not willing to be an adventurous eater or just try, yeah. uh, you're not really willing to be like getting to know the people in the place. Like ever since getting to the South, I have tried gator, like alligator. Have you done that? I've okay, tried. So good. Not so yet. good. Right. Yeah. But like, when people were doing, you know, and it's a Southern thing. So I'm just looking at like, I don't know if I really want this, one. <laughs> you know, but I'm like, that's, I got to do what I say. Right. Which is get to know the culture by trying the food. So I did gator. I did rabbit. Have you eaten rabbit before? Oh, I used to have them as yeah. pets. I was a little I, like, so I had a, a rabbit too. So I was like, I don't know if yep. I can do this, but mm -hmm. I also felt like this was the concept of like, all right, I'm here. You know, this, this is what people are doing. Let me try it. Also really good. But like, I don't think I could like mentally do it again, but like rabbit is so good. Yeah. It's like duck, like that. I think that's the best way, right, Paul? It's well, the, uh, like it sounds like you had a better experience. The one I had was kind of tough, so I didn't like it that oh. much. No, I was in um yeah. South Carolina. Oh, the food is amazing in South Carolina. If you want to try, it, you know that. But I think uh -huh. I think I've been more I've of it. And then there. the Midwest was like bison, and I don't know. I just tried random stuff. Um, but yeah, I kind of noticed uh, when people are very adverse to leaving their comfort zones of pizza and chicken nuggets like yeah might not get along very well no because you can't yeah. go out to eat <laughs> like yeah. you can't go out to eat what i mean every like no matter who you are we all like to eat and if you're gonna yeah. eat like the same foods that you'd feed like your friend's kid at the, the restaurant <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So, yeah. so when I when I travel, I always look up on Yelp. I try to find like the local restaurants. I try to find whatever is um you know the big local type of food 
that's yeah. in the areas so I like doing that so yeah yeah I don't do any chain restaurants so like I like finding yeah. the hidden gems <laughs> yeah. yeah I try not to either I think um I think people this this is my thought is I think most people think in order to like stay fit or look good you have to be like at the gym for six hours and a part of me is like well you do that but then you came home and you ate xyz you know and <laughs> right. I feel like that's always kind of been my mentality is like I just got to be careful about what I put in my body, you know, right. step one, you know, and then everything else is a compliment to it. And plus, if you eat, like if I tell like my clients, it's like, if you eat good, like I go to some restaurants in town and they use like the local beef, like, mm. and if you eat good quality food, you can have food that's really yummy. You know, like you don't have <laughs> yeah. to eat. Like, it's like, you don't have to eat a carrot and a piece of chicken. Like you can yes. eat, I eat, like I eat a lot of food in a day, Man. you know, yeah. and it's like, you can go to good restaurants that use good quality ingredients and eat yeah. like awesome, like savory, tasty food, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you have to tell yeah. us when you're coming here. Cause we're taking yeah. you out. Yeah, you know what? There's, um, yeah, I will. I will let you know. I think that the thing is I want enough people to have had time to read the book. So the mm -hmm. book tour isn't just people like st staring at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know when that will be. I don't know if it'll be in the fall. Um, but this, okay. So this was really exciting. This is like dream come true moment, Cinderella-ish moment, um, which maybe this is a really sad Cinderella moment then if this is like my Cinderella moment, whatever. Um, I had a professor at the University of Alabama teach my book and I didn't find out about it until oh. he told me students were writing papers about it, which is like wow. really cool, that's right? Amazing. Like, I don't know why that's like more exciting to me than, I don't, yeah, I don't know. That's super awesome. Yeah. yeah so, that, so that's been really cool. Like, I think, um, I don't know. I don't think I wrote the book thinking anyone was going to read it. So I appreciate that now I know two people have read the book. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think it's so important to, yeah. Yeah. It's, you get it's to know. Really, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't say enough about it, honestly. Yeah. And Any then, other very pressing behind the scenes dirt questions you want the tea on? Do, do, do you still, um, do you keep in touch with any of the news people from here? Uh, I do because they were the sources in the book. Oh, okay. <laughs> so there are some. There are cool. some. Cool. <laughs> All right, we'll they're leave uh, they're my my eyes and ears still, um, <laughs> but also they were they were necessary because, like I said, um, rewriting about the sexism, the racism I face, like it does. You almost like start gaslighting yourself. Like I felt like when I was sitting there, I was like, "There's no way this happened, right?" Because this is like blatantly wrong, you know. So I'd like write the sentence, and I'd be like there's no way that happened to me, right? There's no way he actually said that. There's no way, you know, they tried to cover up sexual harassment. Like there's, you know, like how, how is that a thing? And so it helped to still be in contact with those coworkers. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, oh yeah, I remember when that happened, you know? And then it's somehow more horrifying where it's like, okay, so that wasn't fictional. Like <laughs> that shit actually did happen. Oh, you know? oh so that, that pissed me off though. When you were sexually harassed, it's like, how old are you? That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, really? Was that insane to you? Like yeah. when I think about it, you know, we're we're teasing the book so hard. So please buy the book because you won't tell you what the sexual harassment actually yeah, was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, book that, and you'll hear I about the sexual harassment. <laughs> yeah. So oh. <laughs> and now I I I love your site, the proud Asian too. Right? Thank you. <laughs> that yes. that's like so important. Are you, are you getting a lot of contribution for that? Yeah. So the proud Asian came about um I think uh, more to tell kind of gives the precursor to how the proud Asian came about. 
So when I was growing up, you read about that racist incident where that man was pretending to shoot me yeah, and my mom in the girl. book that I talked yeah, about. Yeah. Oh. Well, I think from that moment, um, read the book so you can hear it. See, I'm trying to plug the book. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, buy the book, please. Yes, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so that incident growing up where this man approached me and my mom yelled at us to go back to our country, pretended to shoot us in the parking lot, not with real gun, you know, fake handgun, which is still as menacing either way. Um, I don't know if it was from that moment being five where I was just like, I do not want to be Asian. Like there's something about a little child where you look at that and you're like, well, clearly who I am is now a danger. It's now attracting danger, you know? And I think as a child, that's that was the most intellectual I could get to the point was my mom and I are Vietnamese and this guy just tried to shoot us for being Vietnamese. Therefore, I don't want to be Vietnamese anymore. Um, and so it's hard because obviously in middle school, it's like, you don't like your hair, you don't like your nose, you don't like, you know, blah, blah, when you're insecure. I literally was like, I don't like my entire race or my skin or my, you know, I just didn't like being Asian. I don't mean I don't like Asians. I mean, I didn't like that. I was Asian. I don't like my entire race. No, I meant, <laughs> I meant myself. Yeah. Don't take that quote out of context. <laughs> yeah. Um, the way you would be treated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was really hard. Cause I think I just tried to deny that Asian roots for so long. And it really did come down to, you know, and not deny like, I was subtle about it. I didn't like to talk about how I spoke Vietnamese. You know, I tried to lay low, be as kind of neutral as possible. Um, and it was when the six Asian women were killed and two other killed in Atlanta that I think I was really shook where I was like, I can no longer deny that I'm Asian and that if I were in the wrong place right there, I would have been one of those Asian women gunned down. I would have been part of the six. Um, so that's kind of where the proud Asian, the name of the online news source means is that like, I think a lot of Asians grew up being ashamed because when you're told, even if you're born in America to go back to your country, like you just want to fit in. You basically just want to be white. Like you just want this Asian to like be gone, you know, cause you just, you just didn't want to be bullied so much. Um, and the proud Asian as a news source is a reclamation of that. We highlight uh, Asian Americans who are doing great work in the community or trailblazers. And then I have a couple interviews coming up uh, with allies who are also contributing great work um, to the Asian community. So of any race, um, and you don't have to be Asian to read the proud Asian. I think a lot of the stories are universal, but they involve Asian people more so. Um, I think that you just have to be curious and willing to understand. And um, I feel like a lot of people ask me, well, you know, I'm dealing with you know, sexism on a different uh, stance, maybe a different type of racism. Like, why should I care about the proud Asian? And I always say, I'm like, well, Dr. King said, injustice anywhere is the threat to justice everywhere. So if you don't realize that my problems will also be your problems in a different form, we're not going to get anywhere together because so as long as someone's racist against Asians, trust me, there's going to be homophobia. There's going to be racism against black people, Latino people. There's going to be sexism, you know? So these are all, uh, I think what I said in the book is different battles of the same war. Yeah. And if we are not willing to learn about everyone's different battles, like it's, you know, it's going to be around. Like, I, I hate to say that, but discrimination knows how to sustain itself. Yeah. It's, and it feels, it feels like you're either <clears throat> like, like Paul, like how Paul was saying when he travels, like, you know, we all want to try different food and um, it's, it's like, we've talked about this in the podcast too. Like when you go somewhere, like you want to, like, we want to learn about cult, the culture. We want to like, get like, 
you know, integrated and understand people's like everything, whether it's like your religious beliefs, your food, anything. Like, I feel like that just, it makes us more connected. And that's kind of how we battle this. And people who are just like, nope, I don't want to leave this town. I'm not doing anything. Fuck everyone. No one's coming for me. I'm going to get all my guns. And it's like, you know, I I don't know. I just, I love learning about different, I try to learn, I'm terrible at learning languages, but I try to learn a little bit when I go to another country, just so I can say like, you know, please thank you all the important things. And it's just, I I don't know. I, you know, I just don't understand how people don't want to learn. Like, it's curious, like we'd be boring if we were all the same. Like there's nothing like exciting about just being all the same and like not having different things to talk about or learn about, you know? And it's, it is like the, I feel like the only way and we've talked about this a lot, like that's how we're gonna battle all of this is to really like love other people's differences and like embrace it and try to learn from it, you know? Yeah, I think um, I think instead of approaching people like they're weird, if we just approached it with a little bit of curiosity, it would mm-hmm. go a long way. You know what? We'll call it. Don't be a chicken nugget. <laughs> Get that on a bumper sticker. And, uh, don't say, you know, it's an inside joke that pokes at a certain man named Dane. And, uh, if you're listening today, Dane. <laughs> Enjoy the book, and I cut out a lot of chapters about you. <laughs> That's awesome. People should just be, you know what? Like, honestly, this could have been a 400 page book. So people should mm-hmm. just be counting their blessings well, on what was yeah. <laughs> It's, you know. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was thinking but that. that's that, how the that book was... starts, right? Hold right. on, I have my copy of the book. I'm going to read that quote because I felt like people were texting me. Fred and Urban were trying to say stuff. This is one of my favorite quotes. It says, you own everything that happened to you. Tell your stories. If people wanted you to write warmly about them, they should have behaved better. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Man. And that's how the book started. Cause I was like, you know, like, let me just, let me just preface the scene here a little bit <laughs> so that if you're angry, I wrote this truthfully about you. Don't do that shit to begin with. Right. Yeah. There, there would be no book. I would have had a great life. I would have like got married, had kids in the Midwest. Like, trust me, that is preferable than writing a book about sexism racism like you know yeah, yeah. but i don't know it's just, just like this division is just awful and you know sometimes i have hope and then other times it feels like it's always going to be same still all these shootings going on yeah yeah with the, with all the like the mass shootings you have like all these people that call themselves pro-life but they're not the ones that are, <laughs> they they want to keep their guns and assault mm-hmm. rifles that you know, what's the point of them is to kill. So yeah, <laughs> you know what's interesting is so um, I work for the Carter Center. They're one of my clients. Um, and I help their democracy resilience network. And the initiative is basically to protect elections, um, and to ensure that elections happen without violence. So j- basically kind of an initiative in response to January six. Um, but it's cross partisan. So you know, I'm on a team with Republicans and Democrats coming together for the same goal. And I just think it's really scary what's happening right now. Um, I think the divisiveness is really scary. I think the polarization is really scary. And I, I don't know if I'm just pessimistic that I just don't know what has to give for it to get better at this point, you know, like I just, I think the state of things are just so scary right now. And there was like some sort of study that came out that is saying like more than ever, people are actually starting to segregate. So you'll like, you'll move to a neighborhood, which kind of makes sense, right? Where like 
the people are more younger or and liberal, or you'll move to a neighborhood because you want to be around more conservative people. So they did this big study, uh, wasn't the Carter Center, it was someone else, about how literally people are starting to separate themselves so they are less exposed to ideas. So whether or not it's mm-hmm. like you don't shop at Whole Foods, you don't shop at Trader, like literally there are like now like separate places that people will just go. And so that division is actually getting worse because we're moving ourselves in such a way that we're actually being less and less exposed to people with other ideas as a point, you know, in the way that people during the pandemic decide to move to Florida or Texas or, you know, New York, what have you. It's like, we literally are trying to avoid people with different ideas now. And that also scares me. Yeah. It's, that's crazy. Yeah. Something's going to give where (laughs) we got to like get back. Yeah. But I don't know how. That's the that's the scariest part. Like but, I come to work and the TVs are on, and every time I walk in, I'm like, "Is there a shoot? Like, is there a shooting today? Like, what happened and what what state?" Because we have like the news is on, like four different news channels are on when I walk in in the morning, and it's just like every there's always something like chaotic, like scary chaotic. Not like the norm, you know. Not that any chaos is normal, but you know, you have your normal day to day chaos. And um, it's just like like the big like news flash, and it's it's scary. Like who and you know the children getting shot like every day. Like it's ridiculous. Like I I have trouble keeping track. Yeah, I, I really do. And it sounds so terrible because I'm in the news, but I think that's right. you know over the course of ten years, I would say I've covered at least five hundred homicides. And at a, you know at and I think that's like a very conservative estimate for ten years. Um, and it's hard because I think you there's too many to keep track. Um, and then people's like real names and stories just become almost like straight street locations, times, you know, whatever to yeah. me. Um, and it shouldn't be like that. You know, if someone got murdered in Atlanta, I feel like I should remember that story as opposed to being like, well, there's, you know, about to be 20 more stories I have to cover. So I'm not going to remember this, like the intimate details. Right. Yeah. Like, um, I recently went to New Orleans and everybody was partying there. You didn't know what political party they would have been affiliated with the Fetty and everybody was just having a good time together I wish it could all be like that or uh, so yeah so stuff, stuff like that gives me hope so <laughs> we'll see yeah. and it's like that all it's the same thing in all of the countries too it's not just here either so it's things like the Olympics where people yeah. all get together with sports and mm-hmm. everything yeah I love and, the Olympics yeah yeah uh Sounds like you could have been an Olympian. You were a junior Olympic swimmer, huh? Yes. Yeah. Was <laughs> so, that in the book? That's kind of yeah, it was. <laughs> no, it wasn't in the book. Was it? No, I was like, no. Good a little God. Oh, you told me then. Hmm? You told I, me because I did know that. Oh, maybe. Did I write yeah. about that in the book? No. No. Oh, well, a, a yes, little birdie I told swim me. in the junior Olympics, everyone. <laughs> Let it be known. <laughs> I did, and I lost yeah. in the junior Olympics. Oh, I mean, we really want to get clear on what went down in the junior Olympics. I got my butt kicked, but yes. The I fact that you were the there, though. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm a big swimmer. Um, I still love it. I actually still teach swim lessons during the summer and coach because I feel like I'm just getting paid to like have kids make me laugh and teach them how to uh-huh. swim and exercise at the same time. Um, so swimming has always been like a big part of my life. It's very California girl, but now being in the South, I love that I can be outside in the pool a lot more. Um, not a big runner at all. So I appreciate that you guys are, I don't know. My muscles don't work on land. (laughs) They function fine in the water, but the minute you put me on land, I'm like a huge whale trying to run. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I love being in the water. It's a, 
it's, it's still such a big part of my life. And I think that's kind of more of my exercise, you know, like, uh, and I think water's great. Do you guys swim? It's, I, uh, it's like good I, for your whole, like, I always surf. Your I okay. surf. I want to swim. Like I can't breathe. I can physically do it. I don't know how to breathe properly. So that's actually okay. something I've been trying to, because a lot of my friends are like, how can you not swim? Like I can physically swim, but I don't, I don't know how to do like the breathing while I've tried and I'm okay. just not good at it. I love the ocean. I love the water. I'm in it. I snorkel like, yeah. you know, but I just don't, I don't know how to breathe properly. I have to take lessons because I do want to do it. It's great for your body yeah. too. Yeah. I, well, it's been a while, but I do swim. Well, well I was in the Navy too. So that's kind okay. of like yeah, a prerequisite. Yeah. So <laughs> you have a swimming test and everything. I was just, a, I never took lessons. I was just a natural swimmer for some reason. So yeah, love it. And um, there's a lot of trails over there too in Atlanta. I, I went hiking. I think it was, it's the Kennesaw Mountain. I went hiking there. So like a Civil War, um, I'm thinking of the right place, like a Civil War park. Over there's there like hiking. there's like more to Atlanta. <laughs> it sounds terrible. There's more here than I thought there was. Yeah. Um, because you can drive to Chattanooga and that's just two hours away from Atlanta up north. And like, man, the rivers, the mountains, the mm -hmm. lakes up in Tennessee, like if you don't believe in God, you see it and you're like, Yep, something exists out there. Like it's just it's that breathtaking. Beautiful. Um, and then Atlanta, obviously, you can drive down towards the beach, like towards Florida or Savannah or South Carolina. Um, and I just feel like it's so interesting to have like all this terrain, right? It's like, it's great if you like being outdoors. Um, oh, that you have scout. I love I scout. Do. So oh, cute. Scout. <laughs> scout. The only good thing that came from Minnesota. <laughs> I'm such an asshole for saying that. I'm going to run that clip and then buy my book. Yeah, we will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I love Scout. Um, so I rescued her pretty early on when I had just gotten to Min Minnesota because I was like, I have no friends. Um, <laughs> um, she actually was a reservation dog. So I'm like super curious about what her life was like. Um, so mm. she was from a reservation, like a Native American reservation, yeah. all the way up near Canada, almost. Um, some sort of surrender from a divorce, like super oh. sad. Um, I know. And then she was brought down in Minneapolis. And she's like a small black dog. And there's, I think it's called like a black dog curse or something. There's a philosophy behind it that like black dogs don't get adopted from shelters as much as like huh. cute little, you know, fluffy dogs or something like that. So she was there for almost two weeks. And if you're not adopted by the end of like a week, your chances significantly go down if no one grabs you. Um, so when I walked in, I was like walking around, looking around again, you know, one of those people just here to look at dogs, even though I was like, I'm going to leave with one and just, <laughs> right. um, so I'm walking around and I see her, she's like hidden, like way back in the kennel. Right. And she's, she's black. So she's just kind of like a shadow basically all the way <laughs> in the back. So I like barely noticed her, but I did kind of see like, oh, there's a dog back there. It's quiet, you know, which is good. Um, so I was just walking around like, okay, if I'm supposed to get a dog today, like someone give me a sign, you know, like, uh, like I will grab a dog. If like, it just is very clear that this needs to be like the dog that I take home. So I'm asking for a sign. I'm walking around kennel with kennel, looking at, um, different dogs. And then somehow I round back to scouts kennel. I see her and she's kind of looking at me and then slowly she starts tapping her tail and I'm like, oh, oh. you know, so then I'm like, okay. And I think I was just scared to get a dog because Scout's my first dog ever. Didn't have a dog growing up, always wanted one. So I was like, well, maybe that wasn't the sign. You know, I'm like, maybe I need a bigger sign because I don't know if that was right. 
So I'm talking to one of the women about, oh, you know, blah, blah, just asking normal questions about it. And then I looked down and she came all the way out to the fence, the kennel fence. And she was just sitting there like sniffing at me, just staring at me. So she came out from like the, the shadows. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, all right, I guess I'm taking her home. So uh, yeah, Scout is very sassy, very brilliant, um, kind of a troublemaker some days, but I love her for it. She's super smart, like scary smart. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, she's the best thing that came from Minneapolis. That's awesome. <laughs> best and one of the only. Well, well, that may be this book. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess it's true. The book did come from Minneapolis. Um, although I almost feel like the book came from Atlanta in a way, like the healing right. that was needed. The healing, yeah. To mm. be able to write that book, yeah. Yeah. I have to get, so I have your actual, like the computer copy. So I have, how do I get your book? And I want it Paul yes. has an Thank autograph. You so. For the plug, plug, plugs. Um, so <laughs> you can get the author signed copy at more to tell book.com. Um, and that site should be up for a while. Essentially, I just sign the copies and then I send them out. Um, and then it'll be available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, like across online retailers starting May 1st, which is uh, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Um, so the book is going to be launching for API month. Um, and then for your listeners, I hope they are still listening after I've been like ranting for however many minutes. Um, if they type in runner at checkout, they'll get a discount. So type in R-U-N-N-E-R at checkout at more to tell book.com and you guys will get a special listeners discount. I love oh, it. Thank you. <laughs> and Crystal, you've heard our podcast. They're not going to be upset if you're ranting. <laughs> uh, I do a lot of ranting. Like, I got to be careful that I don't go viral too fast. Okay, guys, we're going to on this media tour here. Right. You know what? But I'm just like, let me confess something. I'm like waiting for the call for Florida to ban my book. <laughs> I just feel like I just feel like you can't come out and talk about systematic racism this hard without like someone freaking out. So no, you, did you hear? Let me know when Florida bans my book because <laughs> I have a feeling. It, it was Florida who said uh, they can't talk about race in um what the hell it was uh Rosa Parks. They didn't want to talk mm -hmm. about race with Rosa Parks. Yeah, my my what? book is like so X rated for Florida standards. Honestly, at yeah. this point, that like I'm just waiting for someone to hand the book to the governor. Go ahead and hand the book to the governor. Yeah, <laughs> please. Uh, but he's, he's all about freedom, isn't he? With this book. If anyone knows the governor, this is an all call. Go ahead and give him a copy and see. Yeah, I'll I'll buy one just to ship out. <laughs> <laughs> the governor. Of yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just you know what I think. Um, I think when I was writing this book, I was like very well, okay. Well, for the first draft was me just like angry and going crazy. Like mm -hmm. this was like unhinged writing in the first draft of the book. The second draft, I think I like turned it down a little too much. Like, I think I was like, oh, do I really want to, you know, so it like turned like very reserved with the book. And then I had a good friend tell me, she was like, well, why are you writing this book if you don't plan on making some noise? Like, right. what is the point of putting a book out that's neutral about sexism and racism and careful about what happened to George Floyd, you know? So I think, um, I think I made some noise. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Did I make some noise? Whoop. I yeah. think so. I, I yeah, it's perfect. I, I could. That's why I was reading. I could like totally picture this as a movie too. It's just like so well done. If any like, movie directors are listening right now? <laughs> the contact information is more to tell book.com. Well, I could because now I'm if accepting about it, movie deals. 
you were doing this during the, like, I mean, and I'm just not to put too much of your book out there, but this was during the pandemic too. Like on top mm-hmm. of, this is one thing I was really like feeling for you. Like on top of everything you were dealing with, like there's a fucking pandemic happening right now. Man, I could not get a break yeah. that year, right? right? I was like, I have like a terrible boyfriend that I'm, da- no offense. Sorry, Dan, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, chicken nugget. Whatever. All right. All right, Dane, if you're listening to this, uh, oh, just, okay. Well, I'm being so mean. Sorry, Dane. Uh, so I was dealing with that. Then there's a pandemic, right? Then there is Floyd. Then there's the riots. And there's these, uh, arguably, I think is what I have to legally say, uh, arguably sexist and racist bosses. Um, I just couldn't get a break. I just, I felt like at one point in my life, I was like, I just, I, Scout's cool, you know? And then she would go throw up on the floor and I'd be like, well, that's screwed too. <laughs> like, well, nothing is going well because my dog also just did something. So, yeah, this, yeah, the pandemic, man, what a trip, right? Yeah. Everyone else is like doing these cute little TikTok videos, and mm. I'm like running from tear gas. Like, right, <laughs> exactly. And like being exposed, like this is when like like COVID was the scariest fucking thing around, right? Like, and then you're literally in like protests. Yeah, that chapter where I got COVID. Remember that yeah. chapter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yep, yep, hey, can you yep. do the story for me while yeah. you're <laughs> Which one? When he yeah. asked you to work. Fred. Fred, <laughs> my man. God. Like, you set yourself up during this book, you know? Like, yeah, I was telling my clients about it. Like, I was like, dude, this dude wanted her to work. Like, she's Fred, Fred who asked COVID me to come like... to work. <laughs> Fred, man. I heard found out that the book was coming out Fred if you're listening (laughs) yeah I I really uh I I was thinking about it I'm like now like not only you're like exposed to people out and like all these people breathing and screaming on you I dodged it for so long like I'm like low-key impressed with my immune system that I made it through like Mm -hmm. so many riots and then and then somehow was taken down in October (laughs) you know like I kind of had made it past for a little bit but yes Oh, dear Fred, <laughs> the arguably sexist and racist manager who asked me to come into work with COVID. <laughs> how are you feeling? Can you come to work? <laughs> what? It's like, how are you feeling? Can you come to work? <laughs> and remember, I had just like gotten out of the emergency room. Too, right. And yeah. Come in and I'm like, no, like I can't come in right now. Yeah. 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 It wasn't like little cold, like symptoms. You were like hospitalized. So yeah. Right. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah well i'm glad we're like a little bit past that now kind of <laughs> so what else stuck to you, out to you i feel like i'm getting to get a preview of what the amazon book reviews will look like so i'm like tell me tell me what you think <laughs> uh, was there like other things that like stood out to you or like i don't know i'm just curious i haven't been able to interact with oh. people who have like finished the book yet because with the exception of editors and stuff but i feel like they're paid to be nice so <laughs> this is like <laughs> I paid them to well, read the book. Um, well, oh, one one thing that stood out to me that I love is like after the the murder, then all of a sudden people are like coming up with excuses, like victim blaming, telling him he's on drugs and how he, he was arrested, so he's like a bad person. And then um, he talked about how he was like, you know, politely addressing the officer that was murdering him. Yeah, yeah. that was crazy. Like. Can you imagine being George Floyd and like having this man kneel on you and you somehow still have the capacity to say yes, sir, and Mr. Mm-hmm. Officer, sir? Like, hell no. If you think I like how you were like, I'd be like, get the fuck off me. I'm like, I yeah. literally would. <laughs> I like 
You said yeah. it on me, but I would have said it. Um, yeah, there's there's no way I would have addressed anyone like that. So when people are like, George Floyd was a criminal, I'm like, he literally was still calling these killers, sir, right. down to his death. Like that is like, that's some sick stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm almost like, it. That's and this is what I'm saying. This book to me felt like it was fictional. So thank God there's all this evidence out there because I think writing it, it was so horrifying to me because I think when you're watching the video so quickly, right? Like you just see it, you don't want to watch it anymore. This is, you know, this is happening. But the amount of people who actually told me uh, they never saw the transcript and didn't also didn't realize, like you just said, Paul, that he was addressing Chauvin as sir, like down to the last minute, like, but like, that's some dark stuff. Like, you know, like, like the country's real fucked up. If yeah. that's what it's come down to is this man who's dying, like then- still his last shred of humanity. And the guy being called sir still wouldn't get up from him and thinks he's a threat. Like, you know, like, come on. I just, yeah. I don't know. And yeah. and some of the, something else that stuck out to me too, is that like just the blatant racism that you experienced that woman who has said to you, oh uh, yeah, I, I know Vietnamese people. My, this person gets my, I get my nails done here. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, just like blatant ignorance. Like instead of asking you questions, like, you know, I don't know. I just feel like a- asking a question about somebody, if you're not, like you don't understand a culture is like a nice way to really just get to know someone, not saying something super like- That was some weird shit. Ignorant. I, I, I wrote the book and then I think I like got a flashback to that scene and I was like, I, that's gonna go in there. Uh, but if you haven't read the book, essentially this drunk woman comes up to me at a business party in Minneapolis and- she tells me she finds out that I'm Vietnamese and she goes, I love your people, which, you know, that's a bad sign. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And someone says, I love your people. Like nothing that comes after that is going no. to be good. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she essentially says she loves my people, quote unquote, because we do our nails and we cook her pho noodle soup. And that is why she loves my people. Yeah. Was, that was, like, that stuck out. I was, I was like, like, damn, you know? <laughs> I could have, you know, if if I had, I would have been arrested that night if I had said what I was really thinking. Honestly, your whole book. I would have been fired if I really said what I was thinking at that moment. Yeah, like your whole book stuck out to me, just how people treated it. Like when you ask that question to us, I'm like, it's running through my head. Like I remember, and I have a terrible memory. I did a lot of dangerous things to myself in my 20s. So like I literally, like I was thinking about you getting on an elevator and like people moving. Like, oh, yeah, that was some shit, wasn't it? I yeah. like. I, God, it made me feel so dirty. And Mm. then I was like, this is such a part of history, right? Like when black people had to drink from different fountains because they were seen a certain way, like people would not get on the same elevator with me. And I'm just like, bro, just because I'm Asian doesn't mean I have COVID. You know, like, I just, I don't know why. Okay. Take the next elevator. That's fine. You know, you know, like, but the, but it really builds up on you. And I think that that's, Mm -hmm that's the thing that people don't realize is like, yeah, okay. So I'm a little pissy because someone was rude to me and wouldn't refuse to get on the same elevator as me. Then this woman tells me that she loves my people because she gets her nails done then. And it all starts adding up. And I feel like that's how the riots happened was like, man, you've been dealing with these minor little incidents, right? And you're trying to just let it go. You want to be the bigger person. You know, like I never cursed anyone out. But I feel like it just hit a boiling point in Minneapolis where people were like, no more. Like yeah. it just, I think it, and that's where all the rage came out, you know? And I mean, I think it's scary too, to think about how many like microaggressions people deal with, whether, you know, it's cause they're not straight or they're not white or they're, you know, not a man or, you know, whatever, like you're putting up with so much every single day that it's actually incredible. 
I think that the country hasn't snapped sooner. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of patience actually, you know, dealing with that. Yeah. Well, we, we talked a little bit about microaggressions on episode. We had, um, Rhodes on, he's black and he was, uh, Adriana's and then like a neighbor Adriana's asked if she was okay <laughs> he came oh, my best friend I that is one of my best friends he's a black man and he's the nicest guy you'd ever meet like super quiet chill like just hanging around minding his own business at my party like this dude from we we like love our neighbors to the left and the right the lady across the street is great this guy across the street just like kind of I, I when I first moved there I want I love to have parties so I like to invite the neighbors so no one calls the cops on me <laughs> I, went over and I tried good to talk strategy, to him. good strategy yeah and he like grunted at me so I'm like all right like he was like oh whatever like didn't even like you know super weird so he's like always sitting on his porch smoking a butt never says anything never came over once and I've had a few parties so my it was my 40th birthday I had a freaking air cast on and he came over after he was at like the Seekonk Speedway and we have a pretty diverse I like to like Warren's a pretty diverse town too so I was a little shocked yeah and he came over and it you know and again it was during all this like Trumpy shit like mm-hmm. it's like I feel like it it gave people this like oh it's okay to act like this now like yeah. those people were a little more quiet and he so he came over guy never says boo to us like nothing and he came over and I'm in the yard and he's like I'm doing a he got in Rhodes's face and he's like were you invited here and I'm like what now I'm I'm a little like hammered at this point and I came over in my crutches and my boot and I'm like what like I'm getting in his face and Rhodes is like no no we just we just need to like be the be- bigger people I'm gonna go fuck this guy fuck this guy and you know he's like my friend is trying to just ease it out so he he left and came back and he was like my wife comes out she has no idea what's going on because she was like doing dishes or something in the house because there's not a lot of us left at the party it was later at night and he said he was doing the safety check and so we thought we were lighting off fireworks are illegal here the big ones but we always do them anyway (laughs) we're lighting them off in the yard and we thought and she's like he thought she goes are you a firefighter he's like no i'm an electrician she's like what are you doing then and he's like and i was dancing with roads now up on my deck and i was holding on to him because i have one leg and he's like are you okay with that and i'm like fuck this guy so he basically my friends got him out of there but like where do you get off coming to it's my fucking house like yeah. and i'm flip i was losing my mind and roads you know and this is the experience that i've had around him that like it makes me so infuriated because he's more nervous about the cops coming because because they're going to come right to him He's like, just let's leave it. We, we can be the bigger people. I'm like, no, Michelle Obama. Like, we're not being the bigger people. <laughs> it's like, I'm so pissed off. I'm like, fuck him. I'm like, yeah. you know, like you're, he's, I've been friends with this guy for like over 20 years. Like he's, yeah. he's part of my heart, you know? And I was like, so upset. And the guy had never, we don't talk to him. We don't communicate with them. And I've had a couple, like, I got a little tipsy another day and I was flipping out in my driveway. I'm like, fuck that racist motherfucker. So he texted my wife because they exchanged numbers before like she realized what was going on and he texted her and said am I the racist neighbor and I'm like if you have to ask that question you might be the racist neighbor. You're like <laughs> make a bet yeah and, like, man and we had roads on and he's just like so like you know I I look at it like because you know when you have like we have honest conversations I'm like what is that? like what he's like listen that's my whole life like this has always been happening to me and it's like yeah. it's like heartbreaking and you, you want to like defend your friends and he's like it's just this is what I've dealt with in life and it's like it shouldn't be this way like you're a human being and like I don't know it it really it, it I it was I've experienced like being out with him before like something else happened and like 
and then it was a long time since something else did because we have a very like our group of friends are just our friends we're all mixed like everyone's just kind of in the mix with each other so when we go outside around bubble and something happens it's like you get like you get really like protective and defensive of your friends and you know he's like we don't need any problems just let it go i'm like and i'm getting pissed off I'm like fuck that like I don't want to let this go. I want to stick up for you. And he's like, it's not, it's not worth it, please. Like, can you stop? And then I have to kind of, it's not, he's like, this isn't something you need to deal with right now. We can just go be away. And it's just, it's really hard. I think to know how bad he feels. And it's still like when, you know, there's been like black men killed all the time. I'll text him. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know how this feels for you, but like, I'm so sorry. Like this must be like scary. And he's like, I appreciate you texting me, but you know, and I'll never understand, but I can try to be like supportive in it you know and I think that's where it's when you have something like that happen to one of your friends and you realize how bad it is and like when you talked about people gaslighting you it's like it's absolutely constantly happening yeah you know it's, um I like what you said because I think I hope that's another takeaway from the book too is in general I think allies are so important so like you not being black and being willing to stand up for someone who is black like holds so much weight. And I hate to say that that holds more weight than like other people within the same marginalized group standing up for each other. But when you have someone who arguably, you know, has a little bit more power in terms of like the race dynamics, like allies are so, so important because, you know, I think in the newsroom, like when I'm getting gaslighted where it's like, oh, it's not racism. Like you're just not a good reporter. And I'm like, well, tell me what I'm doing wrong. And they're like, it's a general theme, you know? And it's like, you remember that chapter. So yeah. I felt like, um, I felt like when I had allies be like, no, what you did was just racist, you know, like when they're white allies calling out another white person, whoever it may be, um, doing that, like it makes an impact because you're saying like, no, don't gaslight her. She doesn't just think you're racist because she is of a different race. Right. We all you're- think you're racist you know, <laughs> in the room and it makes a difference, you know, right? like it makes such a big difference that chapter, they can't stop you. Probably one of my favorite chapters. I don't know if you remember that. You remember that? that you sitting at the laptop the- very end towards the end. Yeah. So is that, yeah. that's not the one where you beat me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what do they say in court <laughs> the strike that <laughs> we're gonna edit that part out <laughs> that might be the chapter in question <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite chapters because i felt like that one really illustrated like power in numbers you mm-hmm. know and we had these two white old men fred and Irvin, trying to stop me at every turn they could um, and then we had all my coworkers who just came together to support me. And I, I, I don't know what, honestly, like, I don't know if it would have been like, I would have been hospitalized for an actual like mental breakdown, but like all those allies in the newsroom, however few there were like made such a big difference. Like this book actually could have been worse, you know, had it not been for those people who stood up for me which is scary to think, right? You know, but you saw yeah. the chapters where people, you know, had my back and they were trying to move stuff around yeah. and it was already like terrible, even with people having my back, you know, that it, yeah. it really, really actually scares me some days when I think like, what if, what if there were no allies? Like, right. God, this, this would have been a whole different book. This one banned in Florida right away. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that book. You know? <laughs> oh, do, do you ever hear from like, fans like especially like kids or anything like I don't know if people might see you as a role model 
oh. as a woman or, or as an Asian, like especially like being like the minority, if you're the, the only Asian yeah. reporter. Uh, I do, and I love it. Um, so in Rhode Island, this was really cool, although it could have been really creepy. It could have gone down <laughs> way worse. Let me preface it that way. Uh, a dad actually brought his daughter out. Now this sounds creepy, but it wasn't. <laughs> I'm like, as I'm saying, I'm like, this really does not sound good, but it was a sweet moment. Um, so I was live. I, I think it was actually, it was really sad. It was some sort of like, I don't know if it was like a, an attempted bombing or shooting at a synagogue. And I was live outside the synagogue, I believe was the story. And this dad, I saw like, I was live on TV and I kind of saw these two people in the shadows, like watching. And that happens all the time when you're live, people are curious, like, what's the story that, but then when I was done, I looked over and I saw it was a younger man with this little girl and he just brought her over and was like, she sees you on television all the time. And, you know, she wants to be a reporter. Like, is it okay if she talks to you? Sweetest thing ever. So I thought maybe this was like kind of a creepy moment. Um, I thought that they were just on a walk. And they saw me, you know, so he's just like, do, 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 let me bring my daughter over, which is sweet. And, uh, but instead they knew where I was reporting and they oh. drove over to where it was. Uh, <laughs> so that was, could have been bad. Right. And I actually think about that a lot too, where I'm like, you know, where reporters are, you see right. us standing live at 5 PM, which, mm -hmm. you know, like, it's kind of scary when you think about it, that like anyone can kind of locate me if right. they felt like it. But right. luckily, the only time anyone's tried to locate me was this nice man who just wanted his daughter to meet me. So right. that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, there was a couple of reporters killed, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Because that's, you know where they're going live. Yeah, that's fucking petrifying because someone upset, you know, like, I mean, you guys are reporting the news. You're not it's not because you're attacking anybody. You're telling you people what's happening. Yeah. You know, it's um, yeah, it's a dangerous profession. Yeah. Like, I really I appreciate that Alabama is teaching this book in journalism classes um, because, I mean, I think even if I knew all the warnings, I'm probably like reckless enough that I still would have done news. You know, I still would have gone into it, but I do wish that I had the facts about like, here are the things that aren't glamorous, you know, because when you're taking the media studies courses in college, no one tells you like, there might be a situation where you will be running from tear gas, you know, like mm -hmm. this is what to do. Like they don't tell you that stuff. Well, that was a huge takeaway from the book too, is I think I, I, I didn't really understand what you got. Like I, you know, you see, there's been a couple, like you see the, the weather, I think is a good example where like something just flying by somebody you're like, Jesus Christ, like right behind <laughs> their head. Like, you know, it like that happened I, I in Rhode Island. There was I, yeah. this, Oh my God. It was, we were in Narragansett because it was this, whatever that was coming in. Right. And they're like, let's make her go to Narragansett because that's the money <laughs> shot. We really want to see this reporter being like flung about <laughs> so my hair's like in my face on this live shot. Like I'm like eating my hair. I'm like getting, you know, cause I'm, I'm small. So I'm like, the wind's like busting me around. Like I can't even like stay straight on camera. Then, then, then the, this is like, i I hope this clip never surfaces because this was probably the craziest clip. Although if you find it, send it we're to me. We're looking for I was like, we're it's looking really for funny, this. So feel free to find it. There, the weather was so bad in Narragansett during this, whatever was going on, hurricane, I don't know. Um, the delay was 16 seconds. So the anchor's trying to toss questions back and forth. But when I heard it, I was 16 seconds behind. Uh -huh. This was like, the worst live because he's like blah 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 and I'm just like blah, 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 like getting blown around and then I hear his question 16 seconds later which is a long time in tv but it's like yeah, an right. uncomfortable wait to just see the reporter like 
waiting for the question to come in. So they're just watching me getting tossed around. I, I answer his question. It takes another 16 seconds for the, the anchor at the TV studio to hear me. But it's entertainment, right? You love that shit. You love seeing Crystal just flying around everywhere. Like she can't hear the anchor. The anchor can't hear her. Like water's down. I'm like drenched. Like, and you're watching and we're selling ads. So yeah, guess what? Your book really, that is a huge takeaway. Like I really got a better understanding for like what you do like as a journalist and as a news anchor, like it was really, it was eye-opening. Yeah. Does it make you want to watch TV more or less? Um, I don't love, I try not to do too much TV. I'll do some stuff sometimes when I get home from work. Um, you know, as far as the news goes, I feel like I go through waves where I just Mm -hmm. don't want to, there's so much and I feel overwhelmed. Um, it's actually interesting because I grew up channel 10 was what we had on in the house. Like my dad, we had it on at night. We had, my dad would put it on in the morning. It would be the channel 10. He's a firefighter in Providence, put the channel 10 news on in the morning. And then the channel 10 news was on at night. Like that was just always a thing. So it was just, it was kind of like in my house all the time too. Um, you know, and I think I appreciate local news. Like I can, I can actually watch that. Like, I, I don't mind it. Like when I see like the the big networks, it, it's like hard for me to watch. Cause it's every, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I honestly like, I fucking hate Fox news. Like, I don't know, like not many people I'm friends with watch Fox news, but it's like, I just, I can't stomach it in here. They're, ang- they're always like screaming and angry. And it's, I think for me, it's the tone, the, the news, like on those major networks that aren't local are their tones are so like opinionated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where on the local news, it's just people reading the news. So it's, it's, I, I can appreciate local news. And even though if they're reading bigger stories, mm-hmm. like I do when I'm, when I am like more in a new zone, I listen to NPR. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. I just feel like there's not, it's not an opinion. It's someone telling you facts. Like I can, that's what I need to hear. So I don't, I can get riled up on my own with the facts. I don't need yeah. someone else's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let someone me. Someone else is screaming. Now you're screaming. Now yeah. yeah. It's, so it's, that. it's definitely, but I, I get a giggle. I do get a giggle out of watching like, like channel 10 when there is weather. Cause there's, there's weather here a lot. So you'll see yes. that they put you guys out. Oh, I remember. <laughs> <Yes>. I remember. <laughs> the hurricane, the nor'easter reporter for a while. Yeah. It's, it gets wild. So it's definitely, that's something it's on here at work and the morning tv that i see from my like where i'm standing is channel 10 actually so i will like look at that much love to channel 10 yeah it's true it's true not as racist of a like shout out to channel 10 for not becoming a book (laughs) right (laughs) i love that oh and another takeaway i took was the the police chief there how he became chief even though he tried so su- the department and like making a change from the inside i could totally see okay, that did you not find that to be crazy the chapter about how like all the different officers were like different races like yeah. i think right forget, this wasn't like four white officers white. Mm-hmm. it was like there was an asian officer there was a biracial officer there yeah. was the other white officer who taught black students right. and then there's derek chauvin and sometimes i'm like it almost felt like a, like a Shakespeare, like, I'm like, how are all these characters? Like, I, like a part of it was like the book wrote itself. Cause this is some weird stuff going on, you know, mm. that you had like a biracial officer whose family members told him not to become a cop. You know, J. Alexander King says he's going to become a cop. Cause he's going to make Minneapolis better. All of a sudden he's the black cop in the same, you know, incident with George Floyd. Like it's, it's like kind of a crazy story, right? Like it, like, 
it's like pack mentality. Yeah. And it's weird that it wasn't, I don't know how to explain it. Like sometimes I'm like, all the characters were almost in place perfectly for a social justice movement like this to happen. Every single one of those factors needed to be exactly where they were for the country to be like woken up as to what was happening, you know? Yeah, it was, it was, and I didn't know, um, one of your story, definitely your book explains a lot of more background on them. Cause I didn't know right. all the background on the other officers. I just, uh, cause I feel like that's, you knew, like I did see a video go viral where the dude was shopping. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah like Pink just chilling in his sweats, walking <laughs> to the store. Like he hadn't been involved in George. <laughs> <Floyd's death>. That <laughs> was wild though. Right. Yeah. Like, I would not, you know, whatever, if I committed some sort of crime, I would not be walking around in public. Like you're essentially the country's, you know, figurative enemy number one. Like he's just like holding whipped cream, like like, like, I'm like, Alexander King, stay home. Like here it is like no master in the pandemic. Like you're supposed to be obeying the law, you fucker. And like, you're, it just shows you like that, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Like you can't treat like, you're treating, you're not even obeying the laws there. Like, I, I just couldn't believe that he, like, after being released on bail, he's just like picking up food at the grocery store. Yeah, like, just just shows the know, mindset. Door dash that shit. Like, yeah. you, you don't have to be walking around right now. That's how you go viral. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, that's, and were you scared? I was scared something actually would happen in that grocery store. Like, watching that two minute clip of the woman confronting him, I was like, man this is about you know like i i was scared like scared scared of what scared that he would do something to her or that he would look like a victim just i don't know it could have been anything anyone (laughs) yeah yeah that you definitely did you did a great job of explaining who they were though because i didn't know their backgrounds as deeply and i was like oh my god these people are like they're supposed to be helping the community and they did the complete opposite it's, it's hard to believe, I think, you know, like even to Tao's story, the Asian officer, like he, his father was, you know, allegedly violent and he wanted to become a police officer. I imagine to help other people because Minneapolis police officer helped him on a day where his dad was violent. And then you're like, and then you were also involved in George Floyd, you know, like, it's just, the stories are so crazy because when you read about their backgrounds, you would think that they would have been the heroes, right? you know? And then you're like, god you know like it's uh, yeah i it's i don't know i um i was in disbelief while writing the book i think sometimes like talking with other people it's nice to hear your reactions on it you know just to like see whether or not the what i said like made any sense like you know at a certain point you're like does this book even make sense to anyone or i'm like am i too deep in my thoughts and you know no Now, how are you, are you still dealing with like the trauma from watching that video or are you kind of like you've worked through that in therapy? So I still am going to therapy. I'm doing a combination of trauma therapy and hypnotherapy. Um, My therapist, she actually used to be a high profile death penalty defense attorney. How badass is that? (laughs) And then she just like, was like, I don't like this anymore. So then she just like became a trauma therapist. Um, And I think I found her because I was like, all right, this woman is a badass. And I was like, if she's defending clients on death row, I'm like, I can't say anything that would really scare her. Right? Like, <laughs> like, can I say anything to this woman at this point that would be alarming? Um, but a part of the book is dedicated to her too, because I don't think this book could have been written had I not been going through therapeutic process um, or writing the book 
which at times did make it worse. Like I started getting nightmares again after writing or in the process of writing the book. And I think therapy was so helpful to deal with that. And I will say this, like, I feel like most people should go see a therapist. And even if you don't feel like you should see a therapist, you probably should anyways. Cause you say the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really think most people should. And I try and like encourage that, especially with news reporters. I think there's such a stigma of like, if I see a therapist, it means like, I don't have this under control or whatever it may be. And a part of my argument is like, you know what, even if you're just there to vent, like that's one less earful that your best friend has to listen to so for god's sakes just do it you know with a therapist so your best friend doesn't have to like keep sitting there you know listening to it but i think therapy has changed my life like when i left minneapolis i was a very angry person like i mean honestly the first take of the book was just anger in the pages you know for like how did this happen um and i think probably still an angry person but not as bad (laughs) you know therapy's helped with that um i think therapy has really changed the narrative for me about what happened in Minneapolis. Um, and then just like, um, I, I don't know, just, uh, I think I resent it less and maybe like want revenge less. <laughs> I don't like, I don't know how else to put it, you know, but when you go through therapy, it's almost like it's easier to reconcile with what happened and to, um, not have so much, like not have it to be so heavy on you. The book is heavy enough, but I think now like it feels less awful somehow. So everyone go to therapy, find a great therapist. We have a, uh, we have, you know? we talk about that a lot. We actually have one, uh, one yeah, of our podcast, every episode, yeah. fitness. Yeah. So What's we have a, a podcast, one of our podcast titles is mental fitness because we talk mm-hmm. about people. We, well, like we need, people need to go to therapy. We go to therapy. We have our own therapist, like it's, you know, I feel like, the, you know, like we, just to piggyback what you just said, we always say the people who don't think they need it are the ones who need it the most. Yes. You know, it's like, if you, if you have issues, like I have a lot of different issues I've been working through for years and I'm, I'm happy to say I have a therapist and not, I've had a lot of different therapists. Yeah. They work great. And, you know, Paul as a man, especially like there's a big stigma for men still going because they're not emotional or whatever else they're not supposed to, you know, air quotes, like, and we talk about Paul a lot, like going on it because people, I think people need to hear like, oh, it's not, it's not, you're not crazy. It doesn't yeah. mean like you have more control than anyone else. Cause you're trying to understand yourself and understand things that happened and you know, yeah. what you can control. And it is, it's huge. I mean, I think mm-hmm. if we, what, you know, to, to say like, when we're like, what can we do to fix like what's going on in the world? Yeah. Like therapy's a start (laughs) I mean but it's a good point because I think um there I think there was like some sort of meme or something on Instagram where it was like I have to go to therapy because you won't go to therapy it's (laughs) like when you're not in therapy and you don't understand how your actions might be affecting someone like I just see it as like people leaving just a string of like casualties because they don't understand how when mom and dad did this and then you did this and then you're now doing this to me and then now I have to go therapy because of shit you're doing to me but this could all be prevented I mean essentially if we were all in therapy if we, if we were all in therapy we'd be like a happier place you know that's true yeah, yeah, it's yeah. true well we just had recently had um Kate Champion on she wrote a book but she's also a um, therapist and mm-hmm. even she said that even if you don't have anything major going on right now. She loves it when it's like that because then she can dig deeper. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't feel like you have something to talk about, it's it's good to go. Well, you got anything else on your list? I know you. Are, I you are, yeah. What, what else you got? Are we running out of time? We good? You got all the questions answered. We can, you know. And if you need so. to have me back at another time when some of your listeners have read it, I don't know if uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys. We'll take always have you on again. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think um, a lot, I've been bragging about your book a lot. So I think a lot of, we have some listeners who are like real dedicated. Like if, if mm-hmm. we don't podcast for like a week, I get texts like, yeah. where's your next podcast? You connections to Florida. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All I want to know. I want to know how Florida feels about my book. Honestly, I want to ship it down there. Like I want an autographed copy. I'll buy one and I will, I will totally ship it right, right there to the governor's office. I just want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. We got connections. Yep. <laughs> Paul's mom lives down there. I just it, feel like it's gonna happen. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't, you know, and I I thought about like, do I care if my book is banned? I'm like, that's kind of like it's street cool. cred, right? I'll yeah. take it. That sounds kind of cool. I'm sure yeah. it would be like a shit storm if that started happening to me, but then I'd feel like a badass during it. Yeah. You know? you, so and you'd sell a lot more books because then people want it because they're like, why is this so book banned? We have to- I'm just like, I picture like people burning my book is that weird like is that, like is that really strange a part of me was like man like I'm talking a lot about stuff that happened with Floyd that no one knew about like these yeah. this is like intense conversations about like the stuff that women face the stuff that minorities face you know yeah. there's also chapters about men who don't meet the man mold you know in newsrooms and like they're screwed too you know um but then I was like I feel like some like, I don't know, racism deniers. I don't know what they're called, but like, is going to be pissed off at this book. And I was like, I will totally feel like an amount of like badassness if people started burning my book. You should. <laughs> I don't even know if I should be saying that, but I don't know, whatever. Well, I mean, it is, it is interesting. Like, is it cool it. to have people like, so like, whoa, about your words that they want to like burn it? Burn it. You know? Yeah. Part is, like, honestly, like, it means or it use it as a coaster. I don't care. Use my <laughs> book as a doorstop or whatever. whatever your well, name I mean, may be. It does. It means if it, if someone's that angry at your book, it means you hit them. Like that you hit, you know, you actually, your words matter. Even though that right? like you should feel angry about racism. Mm-hmm. Like you just should like this. And I think some people, you know, when I did the first preview tour, they were like, well, you should just get over it. Like, why is she writing a book on this? And I'm like, I really don't think you should ever just get over racism. Like, no. you know, like that's like not what we, that's the opposite of what we should be doing. But that's, it's weird. I had that feedback too, where it's like, why is she still, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, because I think I will not be the last casualty <laughs> in the news industry. If well, this isn't. I mean, you, when that happened as a child, like, right, like when that guy did the fake oh, yeah. paper gun to you, like, and said, go back to your country, like that. I was thinking, I'm like, she's so little. Like, what did that do to her at that age? Like, what that one motion, like oh, it's it's screaming up. I mean, like like, what exactly? Like, what like why would you even think like I don't know that that I think starts right when you read that part. That's like where you start getting infuriated because you're like, this little girl had to experience that. Like, what the fuck? You know, and that's it. There's definitely your book, every step of the way like there's you're you're reading it and it's like chill and you have like boom, like you get this like your heart races and you know what and I appreciate you saying this like you know just to say the obvious but you both not being minority readers like it's cool to get feedback from that angle you know because yeah. like I, I don't know how it's going to fly with white people like you know like I don't know I don't know so that's you know it's nice to have the feedback because most people I think that have read it that have immediately reached out we're like, I feel seen, which, you know, is a part of the book too, but I haven't had the feedback from someone that's like, oh shit, you know, like I didn't, I didn't know. So it's like, it has actually been uh, helpful for me. Awesome. I, I appreciate the feedback. That's I'm great. So, yeah. We appreciate you so much. Right? Oh my God. We we're so yeah. excited to have you. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it would like open eyes to people that 
are ignorant, like, you know, like we were saying, like people in their bubbles and everything that just don't know, they're just not blatantly racist, but they just don't know any better. And then they, if they learn about different cultures and stuff like that, it'll open their eyes and be more kinder. Yeah. Right. Well, why don't we plan on that? Um, any pressing questions? If you have your listeners write in and whenever you guys have enough or want me back, like I'm happy to be back always down and talk about race yes <laughs> we would love that that's yes. where i'm at you know so yeah, <laughs> yeah let's wait a little while and see like what's going tell us how your book sales are going and then let's get you on because i know a lot of our listeners are going to get your book i because a lot of the people who i train and like who work who work out with me in the gym they listen to our podcast i've been bragging about having you on and like we're Aww, excited. that's sweet so, yeah I, I, do, I do recommend this this is the worst thing i'm gonna trash this book no <laughs> yeah, but i mean you know like attracts like too. So there's definitely some like-minded people, but there's people out there. Like I, I have to say, I have a few older people. I'm definitely like, I'll, and I speak very bluntly to everybody. Like there's no, <laughs> you know, and I, there's a couple older people and I'm definitely like, you got to like, you know, wake up a little. Well, they're like, in my time, I'm like, yeah, but that's how things stay the way they are. When people have that attitude, like, I, I see your point. I'm like, if you're like, well, that's how it was. I'm like, that's not how it should be. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things how they were. They weren't right. It doesn't mean make them right. And it means you have to change because we all have to evolve. And just because you're old doesn't mean you can have that attitude in it. Yeah. And like, I understand because I get very like fired up about it. I'm like, you know, it's it's not okay just because you can drop the I'm old and that's how it was card. That yeah. doesn't work. And this is real, the real world. And the only way we're going to, you can still change when you get older. That's why you're here working out at the gym because you're trying to be better. <laughs> so your attitude can change about things too, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's a big deal too with like that older population where they have this like, well, this is just how it is. I'm like, no, the fuck it's not. Like I had an old Italian grandfather and like, he'd say some stuff around me. I'm like, Papa, like, you're not fucking, I'm sorry. That's just how I was. And I'm like, I don't care how you were. Like, it's not cool around me. He's like, all right. Like he'd get, cause I'd yell at him. My mother's like, he, and she'd yelled at him cause he'd say stuff around us when we were kids. And I'm like, it's not okay. And like, he stopped, you know, and he understood like, it's not okay. Well, that's, that's how people talk to my day. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's not your day. It's mine now. So you're going to talk how we talk. Like instead. <laughs> And I, you know, and I think correcting people in that and, you know, saying it's not okay that you talk like that. It's not cute. It's not funny. You know, it's, it's offensive and it's not, and that's how we have to kind of stop it from there. It's like, if you have people you're close enough to where you can kind of say stuff and like correct them in a nice way, but it's, it's not okay to do that. You know, just like, it's not okay for me to be like, Hey, old lady, can you come over here? Like <laughs> no one likes that. <laughs> I just, you know? I do wonder if like, um, someone who feels like the opposite of my book, if they read it and they'll change my mind or their mind, you know, or if they double down, then okay. I guess you saw the facts and still decided to double down. Like, I guess it's cool, you know, but I, I am curious about that. So if you have some very aggressive people, give them the book. Cause I just want to know. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> I don't know if it does anything, you know, in your, the, the beginning with what happened as a child, I think that that alone can, cause you know, children are just considered innocent and like, this is what it is. So like that alone, I think can make, cause I was like, it was heartbreaking. Like I felt like terrible. Like I was picturing you as a little girl seeing that and like how like scary that could have been. I feel like people can relate to feeling scared for children before anything else. So I think, just, okay. you know, yeah. that opening alone is like, oh my God, like what? So that is like, clearly blatant racist you can't deny it there's no gaslighting that was what it was 
And it's like, all right, so this is her experience before she even started like being in the real world as an adult. Like this was her first experience, like, you know, that was scary and racist. And there's no denying that happening. You know, what's weird is like, uh, I don't even think my mom knows that's in the book. And we still haven't talked about that incident. Like we don't talk about that incident. Uh, so we're going to see what happens when she sees it was written. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it was so horrifying, but I think, you know, I, and I don't, I think now that I've experienced it, if my child experienced that much racism, like to me, it would be a sit down conversation. Um, but I think when you're an immigrant coming to the country and you're like, we're just, we're just going to move on from, you know, like it's, it's hard, you know, and I, I don't, um, but I think that is scary because at the same time, like I saw my mom a certain way. Right. And then now this guy's pretending to kill us in the parking lot. And suddenly I don't see her as someone who can fight off all the bad people, you know, like the type of thing that you kind of see your parents doing, like yeah. it was a rude awakening. You know, I felt like it changed everything because we were both in danger, you know, like she, you know, like, I mean, I think she tried objectively to protect me as much as she could have during that racist incident, but it's like, you know, you're, right. yeah, your innocence is taken away real fast. Ugh. I'm sure that will be in my next therapy session. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so I was on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we send a lot of people to therapy. <laughs> we, we probably send a lot of people to therapy. <laughs> You're right, Paul. <laughs> yeah, we say some things on here, Crystal. I'm glad you listened to a few of them before you came on because I'm, I'm like sometimes I'm like, hope someone's not on. Like, she is crude, and Paul Paul's just as bad as Paul comes out of the side pocket. Sounds <laughs> like quiet and like sweet. Like he's got this like nice sweet voice, and then he'll be like, boom. <laughs> No, yeah. it's good. It's good. I love it. Um, and I'm excited to like, see what the feedback is. I'm excited to hear more mm -hmm. about the book. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the adverse feedback. I actually might just not read it at all. I don't know. I might, <laughs> I might not even bother reading adverse <laughs> feedback. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. like so far it's been, I, I don't even know. I guess this is just the start of it, right? Like the, the books just arrived in physical copy. I think must, when Paul, when did you get your <sighs> physical book? Oh, do you remember Adriana? Why? I, you guys, yeah, I, I think it, it might have been last week. Last I think week. it was like a beginning of last week. Send me a picture. I'm gonna get mine. Yeah. And I'm gonna buy one for. Uh, I'll send it to the governor's office in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> Just put some matches in the same. <laughs> I want to burn this if you don't mind tagging more to tell books right, yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> There's a five percent discount code. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think we should. Yeah, maybe we can wrap it up. But yeah, we'd love to have you back on again yes. for sure, though. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Thank you so much for you know the time for reading the book. You know, like thanks for sticking with the the systematic racism through the two hundred twelve pages. Like, <laughs> you held on, you held on to the plot. It's a super easy read. Like it is a really um, like again, like you are an awesome writer. Like I have Thank to say, you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I love the, you know, combining your own personal story with the, you know, the background with the George Floyd and everything. I was like, perfect. So, oh, yeah, so I hope more, yeah. so, so I hope you get a lot of people buying it, making yeah. a bestseller. <laughs> so uh, do you want to tell people how they can contact you? Yes. Yeah, so um, I think there should be a contact form, but if you go to more to tell book.com, there should be an email address. Sometimes it gets routed to um, the administrative assistant for the book. So just more to tell book.com. 
you can actually just follow me on Instagram and message me there. Just don't message me anything mean because I don't care for it. <laughs> Here's my contact info. Just be nice about it. Um, but if you follow me on Instagram, it's Crystal Bowie News. So C-R-Y-S-T-A-L, Bowie, B's and Boy, U-I, News, N-E-W-S. Um, send me your selfies with a book, please. Like that's like, that's the most exciting thing ever. I don't know why that's more exciting than me holding the book. Like that wasn't really satisfying. You want to do a selfie with the book. <laughs> yeah, you're like, on I the book. The yeah. Book. I've had the book for like two weeks and I haven't taken a selfie. Like, and then I was just like, eh, you know, like, I guess, I don't know why. I don't know because I've yeah. seen this thing for three years. Like it's not, but, I don't know if it's like, I don't have a child. So I don't know if it's like when you're pregnant, you're like, I don't know. I've known this baby, you know, like I, this is not new, man. Like this, like, I, this is not surprising. I know, I know what's in this book. You know what I mean? Like, and you're on the book, your picture's on the book too. Yeah, like, so. I, I know what this thing is about, you know, but it's fun to see everyone else's reaction to it because for them it's, you know, it's new. And for me, I'm like, burn this Google doc, you know, I, I don't know, get rid of it. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate you reading it. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was uh, awesome. All right, Adriana, you want to talk about Soul Friend? Yeah. So, um, um, any of our listeners, my company, Soul Friend Yoga, we sell um fitness apparel and yoga mats. And if you are looking to buy either, um, just know that some of your proceeds go to support free yoga and fitness to at-risk youth. And um, if you do capital S O U L twenty, that'll give you twenty percent off soulfriend.com. So check it out and follow us on Insta, please. Yeah, you can find me at. Um, the Roadrunner, it's R-H-O-D-E on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and um, journeyoftheroadrunner.com is the website. And I'll be heading to D.C. to do a race on May 6th. So I'm looking forward to that. So maybe I'll see some people there. All right. Until yeah. so next time, we'll see you all on the road. Bye. <laughs> and remember, be excellent to each other and party on dudes <laughs> <laughs>